0: The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, I spoke with Dan Spiegel, Managing Director at Coldwell Banker Commercial. He details the retail market's response to COVID-19 shutdowns and public health restrictions, and how demand for investment properties looks to remain strong. Spiegel also emphasizes the available opportunities for CRE professionals who can think creatively and find new solutions. Today, I'm joined by Dan Spiegel. And first of all, Dan, thanks for joining Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Great to be here, thanks for having me today, Nick. And as as we kind of head into the fourth quarter of 2021, um, to provide some context, can you kind of let us know where the retail sector of commercial real estate currently stands?
1: Well, I guess it depends, Nick, on, on which portion of you looking at, right? So there's the, uh, there's the investment side of it, which I know a lot of your listeners are interested in. And then there's the demand side, the uh, retail demand. So let me just make some quick comments on each of those areas. Uh, from the demand side, you know, I think you know, in the if we can call ourselves in the post-pandemic era, I think the retail market is still shaking out. I know in the areas where I live, some of the restaurants that went vacant are now uh, replaced by new versions of restaurants. Um, you will start to see some retail come back, but there's also some areas of retail that are, uh, are that are just gone or just transformed, and they won't be coming back in the same way. So, uh, from the demand side, I think there's still some question marks as to where we're headed towards the uh, towards the end of this year and into next year. Um, but that said, you know, markets change, and I expect you know demand will be back as long as the consumers are back to to visit retail, whichever type of retail it might be in person. And then from on the investment side uh there are definitely opportunities in, in commercial real estate in the retail segment it's uh, it's not uniform across the country or across all product types um but some product types such as net lease freestanding uh retails in in super high demand um and at the same time you know grocery anchored uh shopping centers are in demand but at the same time you know places like regional malls are are still struggling so I think we'll continue to see that for some time uh into the end of this year and into next year
0: Gotcha and and with that demand, is that with the demand starting to return, is that a sign that um, on the investment side of things people are seeing an opportunity to um, you know you know for profit in in the sector?
1: Yeah, I think if you're in, an owner of a real retail center, for example, um, you're looking for that that retail user that's going to come in and drive uh, traffic not only pay rent but drive traffic to your center depending on the kind of center you have. And as I said, not all segments are contracting, right? There's definitely retail segments that have struggled and will continue to struggle into the future. But there are new segments for, you know, example, the veterinary care business, right? Everyone's got the pandemic puppy, right? And uh, just demand for veterinary care uh, has exploded, you know, across the country over the past, you know, 18 months or so. Um, And if you're in a state where cannabis is legal, that's a new type of retail use that wasn't around in many states um, you know, prior to the last election cycle, or maybe 24 months ago, that's filling up some retail spaces. So as tenants, you know, fill up the spaces, the property owners obviously are pleased, and it uh, it drives returns for investors investors into the retail real estate sector.
0: Gotcha, and yeah, you alluded to it that uh, that retail is kind of a mixed bag as far as um, the impacts of COVID. You know, obviously the the grocers and the 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 supply stores that were in in high demand during uh, kind of the worst of it last year. Um, obviously, did did a lot of business, and but restaurants and, and other stores like that were were facing you know extraordinary challenges. Um, you know, are there keys that you see in those struggling markets that you know that they'll need to kind of tackle in the in the near future to uh, you know to bounce back?
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit it right, a nail right in the head. I mean, if you're grocery anchored hardware stores. Uh, any kind of the essential services that um, did not, you know, slow down or, or close up during COVID uh, are certainly still strong. Um, but at the same time, filling some of those in, um, you know, inline spaces between those grocery anchored centers uh, are to be a challenge. Right. That you have to find the right kind of tenant um, and some, depending on where you are in the country, either you know, some uses that are still sort of COVID challenge. You know, maybe it's a fitness center Or maybe in some locales, it's still a restaurant. And that's the kind of space that would be, or that's the kind of user that would be ideal. It's still a challenge to find those users in markets to fill up the last 10, 15% of a uh, a retail center. So it's it's definitely not uniform across the country. As we know, different parts of the country have been impacted by COVID in different ways and with different kinds of rules and regulations. Um, But there is still some variation that as an owner... Or as an investor, you have to be keen on in order to make sure you um, achieve the best value for your property.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that um, the impact of COVID obviously varies from place to place. Um, do you see any trends that that kind of shake out between um, you know urban and suburban, or um, you know is there? Can you kind of delineate the experience of retail stores between uh, between those two?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I know I recently have traveled to New York, New York City twice uh, in the past month. And, you know, there's definitely an aspect of New York that's back, particularly um, the street traffic and stores that depend on tourism. Um, But, you know, there's a big difference between urban and suburban, right? You know, not that New York's not a desirable place, but until you have the hundreds of thousands of office workers coming back into the towers um, that exist in downtown or midtown Manhattan, the restaurants, the, um, you know, the, the corner stores, whatever that depended, the after the bars that depended on people going out for happy hour, they're not, they're they're going to struggle, right? Because the, simply the number of people there that uh, those businesses are predicated on um, aren't returning to the office. Yet in other markets like like a suburban market or maybe not as not an urbanized, as urbanized market or, or submarket, they could be doing just fine, right? People obviously do feel more comfortable during... The pandemic and post as we come through the pandemic you know driving up in their car getting out um, and not being as in close contact with people um and that's generally in the suburban markets but it could be in a submarket of an urban market as well it's not across the board but these st- particularly the markets that depend on that daytime uh, office worker community and it could be chicago new york los angeles san francisco all those that's where you're still seeing some struggle and i think will continue until uh, corporate America figures out, you know, how people are going to come back to work.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, obviously, I, there's a, always a wild card of the Delta variant that came along that kind of uh, adjusted timelines for for return to work. Um, do you see this? Obviously, you cannot predict the future, but do you see this as something that's going to shake out? Is it a matter of six months? Is it a matter of five years, you know, um, kind of settling into uh, the new reality? How long do you see that that timeline?
1: well i'm gonna I'm gonna be an optimist I'm gonna say it's gonna be sooner than later. I don't think I'll quote myself in terms of months um, there's there's definitely if you have traveled at all recently as I mentioned I've done for work but if you're at an airport you know planes are full people are going places at least for leisure and maybe to destinations that have more of an outside um, outside kind of uh, environment so it, it there are definitely parts that are back but I think you know ur- urban core downtown cbD markets or Retail markets that uh, depend, for example, on the convention business, those are still going to struggle until people are willing to go back to conventions in person, which certainly people are today. But the question is, will it be in the same numbers? Will they be satisfied? Will there be fewer conventions because people have gotten used to uh, virtual meetings and that can take a place of some in-person events that would have taken place in the past? So. You know, I, we still have a ways to go, and frankly, it's not just myself predicting. It's whether individuals will make that decision to attend, and companies uh, if they'll feel good, if they'll feel okay with letting their employees travel in um, attend group events.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, like you said, there's it's best not to <laughs> not to be quoted for months or an exact date when something's going to happen because we know how things change so quickly. Um, but as far as um, retail. I think when the, when, you know, the COVID, um, when COVID kind of came ashore in spring of 2020, uh, and we're all locked in our houses for, for so many months, uh, the, the, a lot of the conversation was about e-commerce and how that was going to impact retail. Um, but since then, I think the industry has kind of settled down and realized that, you know, brick and mortar still has its place and people like going to stores. Um, you know, what lasting impacts do you expect from COVID, uh, in the retail space?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think to your to your point, you just you know, you, people do like to you know go shopping. It was thought of you know to be a hobby for some people, right? It wasn't just a practical need, and that uh, need to be out in public to feel and touch certain types of goods. If you're going to go buy a guitar tomorrow, I doubt you'd be buying it online, right? You'd want to go to a music store. So there's a certain part of the retail. Um, retail business that just is 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 alive today and will continue to be sustainable into the future because it's really predicated on some in-person experience. You know, clothes shopping is another one. As much as you can buy things online, I don't know about you, Nick, but go try buying a pair of shoes online, right? The chances are you buy you know four and then you return three and it's a hassle. So yeah, it'll it'll supplant some of the business, but there are types of businesses that people will still want to go to. At the same time, there's, you know, some commodities that today, I think many of us are just, it's more convenient. If I have to buy a specialty light bulb or a battery or something, you know, it's just easier for me to go online and order it for Amazon and get it tomorrow um, than it is to, to take the time to go to a hardware store. So I'm not saying the hardware segment's a challenge per se, but there are things like that are going to be permanent changes uh, because of next day delivery, sometimes same day delivery that's just going to mean for some types of businesses or segments of their business, just, it's just not sustainable to maintain the the bricks and mortar um, and have that business be an open business and not a, not a shipping business, so to speak.
0: Gotcha. And I think a, a lot of one trend that we were hearing about in, in 2018, 2019 was um, experiential retail and these, these very interactive type experiences. Um, you know, is there something that, that retail, can do to attract these customers, to get people in the stores, uh, in, a, in a post-COVID environment?
1: Right. I, th- I think, you know, my opinion is experiential retail is is not, is not gone, right? It certainly had a hiccup because people uh, were not comfortable being together in close proximity or it was regulated. They couldn't be together. Totally makes sense. It was a public health issue for sure. Um, but as as we are more comfortable with being in person, those experiential environments—be them dining or shopping or you know things like that—people enjoy that. That's part of uh, enjoyment in life, and people want to be out of their house and see other people. I think if you have been to any work events, you know, like I have recently, I think the first reaction everyone has is, "Wow, it's so great to be together!" Right to have a conversation that you wouldn't have if you had done it over Zoom or over the, even over the phone. Um, so experiential retail, I think, will still take up a portion of um, of retail space, you know, as it was before, and will continue to be in a segment of growth. Um, you know, again, once people are comfortable and as they become more comfortable with being in public spaces, um, you know, memories are relatively short. We will get past the pandemic at some point. And just like changes that may have come into our lives after 9-11, some of them stuck permanently and other of them uh, kind of waned and people moved on. So well, I think we'll have some of the same impact um, when it comes to COVID in retail.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And obviously, um, in the office sector, for instance, things are um, are necessarily changing as far as you know more space per employee, and um, you know public health considerations are, are, are in elevators and, and the like. Um, do you see any any long lasting effects in the retail space that are that are kind of similar?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think you're going to see um, in the experiential retail and in certain types of retail uses that we were talking about earlier, I mentioned veterinary care. There's certain kinds where you have to be in person that'll, that'll occupy retail space for sure. Um, I think many of us, we still enjoy dining in restaurants, right? The restaurant segment was really challenged, particularly in the first nine months of the COVID era. But um, again, as comfort and as legislation allows, we'll be back. Right, we'll be back in dining in places, so I, it's not going away. Um, those restaurants may have a, you know, may depend differently on the mix of business. They may have, you know, permanently more to go business because maybe we're more comfortable. You know, a portion of people are just more comfortable. or gotten used to taking take takeout more frequently, um, but those uses will be back. Uh, will be back for sure. Um, but again, it just it's sort of you know the things that are more commoditized that are easy to get delivered. I mean, you can just think of them in your head. Um, there's not a need, you know, office supplies. I think, you know, to some extent, office supply stores um, may be challenged in the future because it's just so easy to order a of paper or a toner cartridge and have it delivered and not take the time to stop by an office supply store, right? So the permanent changes are really going to be uh, things that frankly were already in place prior to the pandemic that just got accelerated by the pandemic. And those changes to retail probably are not coming back.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned kind of the, the restaurant experience and both of us being in Chicago. The one change that I've enjoyed is that the the emphasis of being in an outdoor space and, you know, even even the weekends, they'll close off certain streets to have uh, open up more space outside for for dining, which I think is, is once is one example of kind of a creative uh, a solution to, to a problem that um, that people actually enjoy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to some extent, it created more capacity for a restaurant, right? Uh, at least in Chicago, when you have the weather, right? The weather's good, right? You just, they, they added capacity, right? Um, but yeah, there's definitely some sort of innovations, if you will, that have come out of, of the uh, pandemic era that are going to stick for, for retailers um, and some behaviors that will stick for consumers as well.
0: And as far as on the technology side of things, um, you know, what opportunities are available to, to the retail sector? Um, you know, in the wake of COVID?
1: Well, I think, you know, for those um, businesses that uh, had a a digital strategy, I'll call it, um, pre-pandemic or they implemented one during the pandemic, again, those habits are going to be here to stay. It's super convenient to order things uh, on your phone to pick up in 20 minutes or half an hour, whatever it may be. Um, And those, you know, if you didn't have a digital first strategy, uh, and you are a retailer. You are definitely you've definitely considered one, and you've certainly attempted one. Maybe some are more successful than others, um, but you certainly have to have a digital strategy, uh, both for marketing your goods as well as procuring your goods. Right? It's just part of being a retailer today. Re- retail is not simply um, you know an in-person experience anymore, like it might have been. Um, you want to people want to see goods in advance. Maybe they want to preview them and, and get a sense of them on. on platforms like Instagram um, and, and so forth. Um, but those changes are, are definitely here to stay, right? It's not uh, go to the store and check it out. Uh, you're going to... Your, shoppers are going to be previewing uh, things all the time and maybe that'll even drive demand to retail uh, in-person shopping experiences.
0: Yeah, and maybe more of, a, of um, an abstract question. That's something you can quantify with numbers. But do you think with considering the the instability of the last year and a half, um, has the sector kind of eased its skepticism toward technology? Is, is, are people more willing to kind of adopt new tech now that, uh, you know, they, they've seen kind of a, a chaotic uh, environment?
1: I mean, I think that's a question, Nick, for all of us, right? To some extent, we have adopted more technology. Um, you know, anybody who's a you know, white collar office worker has been on Zoom and Teams repeatedly over the past 18 months. Um, and it's a great convenience. And it's a great, those are great platforms and others like them. At the same time, as I was saying earlier, it doesn't negate the, the engagement and benefit of in-person experiences. And that could be in the retail space. It could be just in the day-to-day business space. Um, so those, the platforms are part of our lives and they will continue to be part of our lives, either for conducting our business or for shopping or ordering. But at the same time, it's not going to mean that, that in-person experiences are gone forever. Right? There are things you prefer to do in in, uh, in person, and you know things like standing around and waiting in line is not something you want to do in person. So if there's something you can do, in order in advance and just run in and pick it up, that's going to stick because it's a good convenience for everybody involved. It's probably more efficient for the retailer, and it's certainly a better experience for the consumer.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point that that technology um, can be kind of a, a complementary aspect to retail. Um, you know, like you said, if you're if you've been in an office for the last two years. Um, you've certainly used zoom and I think three years ago, you know, people were kind of skeptical of it, but once you kind of get used to it, it's, it's, it's how you make calls now. It's how you, how you have meetings. So, um, people quickly adapt. Right. Absolutely. Um, and for, for my final question, um, you know, leaving on, on a hopeful note, um, considering all that's happened in the last 18 months, is there any surprising or kind of unexpected areas in retail that may provide, um, opportunities for, for, for CRE professionals?
1: Well, I I think, you know, one of the things that commercial real estate people are good at is is having vision, right? And envisioning something different than they see today, right? So, you know, let's use another analogy. If you look back at, you know, um, um, industrial spaces that became obsolete, they became fantastic loft apartments, right? For condos or for for rental, right? Um, Real estate people are very good at at envisioning what opportunities of things that, that may not have been, it may not be you know existing today, and I think the same thing is going to happen for retail, right? Um, so there's in a couple of different areas. For example, as I mentioned earlier, regional malls and many many places are struggling, and I, you've already had some sales and have some activity where you know, the anchor stores are are demolished, uh, the malls are opened up, they add multifamily. And they create kind of a mini downtown city experience that people are desirous of, right? So that's a great opportunity of taking a retail product that's sort of, that has become obsolete and turning it into something else. Um, And there's going to be more examples of that. Frankly, I think to some extent, what we may have traditionally or traditionally historically thought of as retail, you know, even in a multi-tenant suburban center You'll be, you know, owners will be creative and thinking like, I don't have to lease only to retail tenants. So what about medical office? What about the uh, dialysis center, the cancer treatment center? Well, those historically have been thought of to be office or medical office uses. They easily can slide into a retail space. So they'll be, you know, the, the creative owner and the creative real estate professional will be finding new opportunities for retail properties that are challenged or need to be repositioned. Um, and uh, and that'll provide a great opportunity for real estate people in the future. Th- that said, to some extent, the United States is sort of over-retailed, um, at least by statistics per square foot. And centers that were poorly located or poorly constructed, constructed probably should be demolished and turned into other uses like housing or, or multifamily things like that. So there's always opportunity in commercial real estate as long as the world is changing. And I think one of the ways that Real estate professionals can benefit is by adding the vision um, of the future for their uh, for their clients.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, and I think that's a perfect place uh, to leave things. You know that CRE professionals are at their best when they're delivering those extra services and providing more to their clients. Uh, Dan, thanks for taking the time, and uh, thanks for joining us on Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast.
1: It's been a pleasure, Nick, and thank you for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.